A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome back to the Sunari's podcast. Today, I'm your host, Timmy, and James, my good friend, is my co-host. <laughs> so um, today, we have a very uh, special guest. Her name is Sasha Roos. Um, Sasha is an expert in dyslexia. Um, and we had a conversation before we came up here today, and she corrected me on my my spelling or my wording around um dyslexia because I would have always classified it as an intellectual dis- uh, disability but she explained to me something else earlier and it made a lot of sense you know so I'll just tell you a little bit about Sasha she is an author and a dyslexia specialist supporting people with challenges of dyslexia she has a well-established private practice and an approach that encourages the strengths and abilities of the dyslexic individual she is an a mem- she is a member of the Dyslexia Association of Ireland, the Institute of Guidance Counselors, and the Society, the Society of Authors. There's my <laughs> my one coming up. But so I'm going to let you jump in here and just tell us a little bit about yourself um, and how you may have got involved with dyslexia and why you're so passionate about helping people with. Yes, thanks. Um, it was by chance, really. I was trained to be a guidance counselor, and at the same time, a friend suggested that I um, go into a dyslexia tuition, um, just as a sideline. <clears throat> but then it just really grew, and I saw that there was a real need, uh, particularly for help with uh, uh, teenagers with dyslexia. And um, so it, I then established my private practice over 15 years ago. And then eventually I wrote my book, At Home with Dyslexia, and it came out, UK publisher, three years ago because I could see there was a need because dyslexia is genetic um, a lot of books out there don't really suit parents of dyslexics who want to find out about it a lot of books put teachers and parents together and they're very wordy books Mm. and they just they're just not going to look at it they're not going to read it so I um, interviewed my students and parents and so their voices are through the book so it's all cork voices, mm. parents and uh, would it be fair? Would it be fair to say that um, some of the parents that that have dyslexic children may actually have dyslexia as well, un unrecognised themselves? You know, totally, all yeah. the time, all yeah. the time. And um, like, there's more and more uh, children with dyslexia these days because it it's no there's there's. We, we can notice it a lot more within schools because there's more awareness around it. You know, what does a parent with a dyslexic child, how, what do they look out for? How do they notice it? And, and what do they, where do they get the help they need and to help that child? Well, if they're in primary level, I'd, I'd say 
trust your gut feeling actually and look at where there's dyslexia in the family quite possibly because it's definitely genetic and look at how your child is maybe good at some things and not so good at others maybe quite articulate but can't transfer those thoughts onto the page um can't do rote learning so as we were saying before uh, the main issue with dyslexia is the short-term memory mm. a poor working memory so you know we can deal with the reading and writing side of things but if they f- struggle with the spellings the friday spellings you know they they learn them and then they forget them or learning their times tables any rote learning is very hard for them and then later on it kind of manifests as a poor working memory you know they mm. can study but it just goes so mm. that would be the sure sign really mm. of dyslexia and, and uh- the short-term memory we spoke about that while ago and I was explaining that just before an exam when I was in college just before any of my exams I would be studying and studying and studying for days and days and days and the next day I'd look at the same thing and I would have forgot about it and I'd have to cramp everything in within the half an hour just quick bullet points and go into the exam and just try to remember the bullet point and that that'll give me a little understanding of what I might write, you know, and then I'd be scribbling like mad, some pages and pages, scribbling all like, but, um, where did the short term, can you tell us a little bit more about the short term memory stuff? Yeah, so, so the main thing is that a dyslexic person would have abilities in some part of their brain that others wouldn't have. So you're going to be more visual spatial, like you are definitely a visual spatial learner. You, yeah. you found it easy, the practical side of things. Yeah. You're also a kinesthetic tactile learner. So you learn by doing and making, fidgeting, mm-hmm. things like that. Do you have a spinny chair? Things like that. <laughs> <laughs> so so you've, you found now probably yeah. how you learn. But when you were studying, you didn't know what your learning style was. No. So I think all children need to know what their learning style is. And we need to have multisensory learning. And so they can get things from the short-term memory into their long-term memory. Because there'll be some things that you're really good at knowing. Like you have some stuff in your long-term memory that's just brilliant. Yeah. So you need to use those abilities to deal with the the Mm. short-term memory difficulties. Well, I've noticed that when I, um, there's a lot of stuff. If, if, say, for instance, I work now and if I don't do a roof in a while, I forget the mathematical side of it, how how to get the pitch and stuff like that. But once I get it, I get it, I keep going. But I've noticed that it's, I have a repetitive mind. Now I know it, when we hit a certain age, we only learn through repetition. But I have that repetitive mind. If I keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, I'll know it. You know, it's, it's. I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of anti that traditional yeah. approach. Yeah. Um, you know, that old thing of writing out your spellings 10 times, mm. 40 times, 50 times doesn't really work for mm. dyslexic because then they start, they don't notice when they make a mistake. Mm. Uh, it doesn't really work for them. So like, for example, with the younger children, they would break down a word into sections. They would use color. They would create pictures, do a visual strategy for it. And then they would picture it in their mind's eye, which is very important because they've got usually a visual strength. And then they would write it in sand or mm. make it with Play-Doh or pipe cleaners or something like that. And that will be multisensory and that will get it into their long-term memory. Mm. But rote learning, repetition, it's, it's, it, it can 
it's a long, mm. inefficient way of learning for On them. a practical level, though, it's different, though. Do you know, for... for Kinesthetic. Yeah. You're doing, yeah, yeah you're yeah. doing movement and that yeah. helps you. Yeah. Do you know, um, for people like myself that don't have dyslexia or know very little, I think a common perception would be that if people look at this wonderful book, okay, <laughs> sometimes we believe that what I see is different to what somebody with dyslexia sees. Is that a myth? What do you mean? Like the, the letters aren't jumbled around. No. Oh, okay. Do so, you know what I mean? Yeah. Did you ever come across that myth? Like, yes, that the, myth is really annoying <clears throat> because visual stress is something separate to dyslexia, but, but quite often dyslexics have visual stress as well. And visual stress is when you get the, the jumbling of letters, maybe some blurring, things like that. And that scientifically, I mean, I'm not really up on this, but it, there's a color in the in the light spectrum that causes the problem. So they get filtered lenses to filter out. So you could get some filtered lenses mm. that will filter out the color that causes the problem. You won't see a different color. You'll see normally through the lenses mm. and it will just calm the environment down, calm the page down so you can read it mm. and take in what you're reading as well. Because they could read things endlessly and it just won't go in. Yeah. So there's a huge myth around, you know, and the, the old jokes as well, you know, I, the amount of times I've heard the dyslexic joke, which mm. is always the same one because it's always just mixing yeah, yeah, the yeah. words yeah. between dog and God or whatever, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, okay, it's yeah. not funny. Sorry, James. <laughs> another thing just stood off for me. So, for example, if I was reading a book, a story, somebody's story or a fiction, really powerful kind of strong, like, and a book pops to my mind. It was uh, The Celestine Prophecies, which was a spiritual book. Yeah, yeah. Great book. Very good book. But I was able to read that book because I was drawn to it. Mm. But if I'm reading a self-help book, then like The Power of Now or any of these books, I can't retain any of that information. It just, I, it's really, I think, I think that book, is a very abstract book and I think you know a lot of people might find that difficult, but probably if you have dyslexia it's probably harder. Mm. You know, or is abstract thought more difficult if you have dyslexia? Um they are, they can be quite logical, yeah. They yeah. like a bit of structure and things. Like and things like spellings, you know, the silent letters in words mm. have no logic. So that's very difficult for them. Mm. And they're often quite mathematical. So you could have been quite mm. good at maths. Sometimes they're not, but quite often I would have students that are really, really good at maths. I think Timmy is good at maths. I wouldn't be bad at yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's from... Like if we're doing any, if there's any equations or we're doing anything around the counter or measuring, like, yeah. say a few numbers to Timmy, he has it there and then, like, right, yeah. this is the number, you know what I mean? Like, and I'd be like, I could not do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Numbers yeah. is a massive part of um, a carpenter's day, mm. you know, because we're measuring square meters, cubed meters, we're measuring lengths, you know, so you constantly have a tape in your hand taking measurements and writing them down. So it's it's consistent and then yeah. calculations then as well on top of that. I'd find that really difficult. I'm not dyslexic. I'd find that really difficult. So, mm. you know, that's why also coming back to the language of dyslexia, mm. which is a big thing for me. And in my book, I always call it a learning difference. It's not a disability mm. because you can't say people like, Einstein or Bill Gates or Steve Jobs or Picasso or Newton or I mean the list is endless of famous you know successful dyslexic every single field has a dyslexic person at the top every I mean I don't see that as a coincidence mm. there's something about the dyslexic brain that 
when they find what they're good at, they go for it and they're very determined and they find out, you know, they're good problem solvers. They find alternative ways and solutions to things. Mm. They can see things differently. And I think, you know, if we didn't have dyslexics in the world and 10% of the population have dyslexia, I don't know what our world would be like. It'd be pretty boring. (laughs) It'd be really, I don't know. We wouldn't have half of our inventions, the Wright brothers. I I don't know what our world would be. Gravity by Isaac Newton. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Charles Darwin. (laughs) Does the diagnosis go back centuries? Mm, Leonardo da Vinci. Really? Yeah, so we know now from looking at their papers and things like that that they had dyslexia. We can but we know that. Were they aware of it? Like when was the the term kind? And do you know like when did they the first diagnosis was? Or? This is the problem, really. And I have a problem with the invention of the printing press. Mm. So uh, when they decided that reading and writing were the skills that everyone had to have, and you had to learn to read and write, whereas before that. People needed to be able to build arches mm. for cathedrals and churches and things. So you would have been really somebody mm. they needed. And then suddenly the printing press is invented. And it's like, hang on a minute, you need to learn to do this. And like, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so is that kind of where it began? Yeah, I'd say, I don't yeah. know. When was it coined, dyslexia? Um, it was called uh, word blindness, sort of, put, I think, in the 19th century. Okay. And it kind of that negative thing just went from there and we still have that Mm. it's still called a disability you know you've succeeded despite your dyslexia rather than because of your dyslexia Mm. and that's that's the wrong way of looking at it do you know somebody created a wikipedia page for me and timmy which is cool because you know i think you have to pay 100 euros to do it and you have to go your way so fair play but Mm. um in it they describe timmy as having severe dyslexia what was your thoughts behind the term like that I don't like it. Um, I know it's used a lot, but I don't really like it because it sounds negative. Is it on a spectrum? Like, can you have mild dyslexia? Yeah, you can. Yeah. You can be down one end and up the other end for sure. But then I wonder, like the girl I was talking about earlier, who's doing astrophysics, you know, you could say, yes, her dyslexia is really severe. She would say that she can hardly read. Mm. And yet now she's doing astrophysics because she's got those dyslexic abilities. So is it Mm. like... Severe dyslexia, maybe that is like really good dyslexia. Yeah. Because it's she's very yeah. dyslexic. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. It's like it's, it's like the term of autism. Uh, they say some aut- autistic people and kids are, are so smart and creative in, in other ways in their lives. Like it's 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 like looking at the two things. No, I know they're completely different <laughs> in, in different ways. Like, but it would be looking looking at it like that wouldn't it be very similar yeah and 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 where we're going wrong still is that there's not enough training for teachers and you know there's not enough knowing how to spot it knowing how to intervene at an early age so then it you know it affects people so much like your own experience in primary school that's where it really uh, because you're so exposed in primary school, you know, you've got to read, you've got to reach all these levels and mm. and they're not, but they're intelligent enough to see what's going on because dyslexics are average or above average intelligence. Mm. So that self-esteem issue carries yeah. on to adulthood. Again, this old student of mine who's doing astrophysics, even though she'd be getting H1, she got an H1 in her English just now, she would still feel she was going to fail. 
because of her negative experiences in her first primary school, mm. where she was put at the back and doing baby work and, and made to feel stupid. How do people with dyslexia achieve academically with the reading and the writing? Like what sports are in place or how do you navigate it? Well, luckily now we have assistive technology. Mm. So so they can have... We get the computer to read it. Yeah, yeah, they get iPads and laptops more and more in school. So they, their textbooks, they can have audio versions of their textbooks. They can have um, speech to text. They can dictate their answers, their notes. Yeah. I mean, as long as they access the information in some way and can produce information, what they want to produce in some way, do they need to be able to be a fluent reader? Mm. And uh, I mean, it's nice if they are, but there are other ways of showing their intelligence. And in, in, in the university I went to here in UCC, there was a lady in my class that ha- had dyslexia. She was actually only diagnosed with it in there, but she got to sit the exams in a different room, you know, with yeah. some help. So, you know, if people that are watching the podcast or listening to the podcast, are adults that have dyslexia and they think like, they could never go into education. Like there'd be a lot of supports provided, and you know it's not it's it's not the um the block you think it is. You know, yeah, it's just yeah. something that you'll navigate, but you can actually succeed very well with it. And I think yeah. third level is is where it gets better. You know, I'd say probably primary is the most exposing, although there's more kind of maybe awareness in primary and supports. Um, and at least in in secondary, they can usually find the subjects that they're good at and, and focus on them. Mm. And then third level, definitely much better. There's much more way of supports mm. and and there are ways around it. Definitely. What about what about kids? You know, with parents, um, there's actually no shame in having a child with dyslexia. No, we still know? have a bit of that around. Yeah, the we, place, I, but that's we don't. I've noticed it, like in some some. Some parents think, oh, my child is Alexia. He's going to struggle for the rest of his life academically. And what are we going to do? And like, <clears throat> it's not a bad thing to have to be dyslexic. It's not in any way we've, as you said, there, the assistive technologies we have today, like the dragon and ginger and all these different things for spelling. You can get covers you now for laptops and, uh, and desks where, it's softer, as you were speaking earlier, we can read easier. And I've noticed your book, your book isn't white. If that was no. white, no, I couldn't, I, I, no. I'd be looking at that and I'd be getting blurry eyed. Oh, it's yeah, off yeah. white. Yeah. yeah it's no, off white. I was very particular about that. And yeah. it's a UK publisher and I got them to send me the paper to make sure it felt right yeah. as well. And then it, it wasn't shiny. And of course, most textbooks mm. are sure. white and shiny. What's and the problem for with visual white? stress. Is well, it, white is a problem for people that have dyslexia? No, no. People with visual stress. Mm. Oh. And some people with dyslexia have visual stress. Oh, I see. Which is the white bouncing mm. off and the light and everything else. Oh, so that's why black and white print particularly yeah. would be really difficult for them. And they, like a lot of my students, prefer blue paper and yellow mm. paper and things like the that. The yellow would be something that I would like. You yeah. like that, uh, yeah. yeah. And the other thing as well is I'd, I'd have... A little card, and you'd read the lines individually. Because I used to start, I used to skip the top of a paragraph, a, a page, yeah, and go to the bottom, and, and try to get the end of the story to make it faster. So I just finish. Then I'd be reading two lines into the bottom paragraph. So I'm after missing three paragraphs. And I say, Fuck, what was? And then I give out to myself. And say, I have to go back up 
the top known reader and it was just never something that I really liked doing, reading section. And you couldn't take couldn't in what you were reading. In. That's why I didn't like it. Focused yeah. on just the act of reading the words. Yeah. You, you just, just reading the word was enough. The act of doing, that's, I've never heard anyone explain it like that before. <laughs> I was so annoyed with the act of actually reading because I knew I wasn't going to understand the wording and what it meant mm. that I just hated doing it. I have to read it again. I have to read it again. I still wouldn't understand it. It's the same with certain words. Certain words I just will cannot for the, for the life of me understand. You know, I'll get it. Then I'll forget it. Then I'll get it. I'll be able to spell it. Then I'll forget how to spell it again. And it's just yeah, different things happen. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, going back to what I initially did say, I was about the kids like some kids um, would have uh, dyslexia and the parents like in, in, would think, thinking is it a really, really bad thing? What would you say to those parents, Sasha? Sasha? It's just, it's difficult to get rid of those views yeah. when me- the media always sensationalizes it. We've still got that media saying about famous dyslexics. Oh, they struggled with dyslexia and despite their dyslexia, they achieved, you know, actors like Orlando Bloom, people like that, who would talk positively about the dyslexia. But the media always makes that hype around it. And we we need to change the language around it, really. And and for them to see those messages, which are, it is getting better, there's organisations, particularly in the UK, that are looking at the positives of dyslexia and seeing how actually how they they are the movers and shakers actually in society mm. if we could only see it like that mm. um but it, it is still going to take time i know i've got friends who are primary school teachers in england and in their training with special needs on spe- you know dyslexics don't get called special needs but children at risk of dyslexia I mean, that's an awful, like it's a disease. What does that even mean? Yeah. (laughs) And this is now. You can't be at risk of dyslexia. You either have it or you don't. Exactly. And it sounds really scary then, doesn't it? contagious or something. Yes, like a disease. And like saying diagnosis, actually, because then it sounds like a disease. So I don't like saying that either. Yeah. What about the language around this? Like, is this, he is dyslexic or he has dyslexia? Is our, you know, like in, in, um, in disability language, you would say, I've heard somebody saying the appropriate thing to say is child with autism rather than autistic child because there's still a person that has this condition or has this complexity. But when you say like, um, or even in somebody in addiction, he is an addict or he is a person with addiction would be more suitable because you're labeling somebody, do you know what I mean? He is dyslexic, not he's a person with dyslexia. He's still a person. He just has this editing is that important that's a good point actually because there'd be some organizations or some people say well you can't say dyslexics or to say you know you've got to say person with you know dyslexia mm. and then it comes a bit sort of too yeah too sort of pussyfooting around it really mm. and we don't want that and and dyslexics who are see i just say dyslexics yeah. um if they're comfortable around it, which is what we want they yeah. don't care about that mm. yeah. and also when they find out they're dyslexic they usually feel relief because then it it makes sense. I mean, I don't know if you felt relief, but no, like, okay, yeah. that explains it now. Yeah. I'm not stupid. Mm. It's just I've got a different way of thinking and processing. It might take me a bit longer to process certain things, 
but once it's there, it's there. And look, I've got all these other abilities, so I'm going to focus on my strong yeah. areas. So the signs and symptoms really is predominantly the memory piece. It is, yeah. So I don't know yeah. if somebody's listening to the podcast and they are they can identify with some of the signs and symptoms you explain. How do how do you go about going and? getting checked who do you go to and what's the process like see it's a difficult one because educational psychologists would be so expensive mm. um and you could do it through school i, th- I think you'd, you'd have to talk to educational psychologists about it but i think there's more and more assessors who would do it in school and things like that but mm. because you do want yeah. a label you know you do because then you can and there's nothing wrong with having that mm. label because then you can get the Reasonable accommodations in your exams. You get a spelling and grammar waiver. You could get a reader. You get rest breaks yeah. in your own room. And if you wanted to go to college or university, the access office would provide that service, you know, to help you, I guess. Yeah, the disability office mm. yeah. at UCC, yeah. whatever, and to I give s- you support. I, I, what I was going to say is, isn't it very important to be able to catch a child at a really young age and... and find out if they're dyslexic and they can get the, the, the help that they need instead of going through four or five years where they're completely struggling and they start believing that there's some they're they're stupid or take or whatever and that just change that'll change their whole life then and their future because instilled within them then is the thought that they're tick. Yeah. Uh, but they mean they're they're not. It's just that they have dyslexia and it has gone undiagnosed by somebody and, and you spoke about assessors there has an assessor got the same authority as um an educational psychologist to I'm diagnose sure. somebody as dyslexic or is it just the educational psychologist I think it's an edu- but you'd have to really yeah. get somebody on and and, and get and a, they get are expensive and- they are and I, i'll tell you like i paid 550 euros in the college and i had to get a loan off the student uh Union outside, and they gave, they paid for for me. There are school, you know, schools would have a, a NEP psychologist coming in as well. But I, things changing all the time, so I think you probably need to speak mm. to other people who would be up on that at the moment. Mm. But it's not a bad idea to be bringing educational psychologists Definitely. into school to catch kids, like have a chat with teachers, educate teachers around uh, this dyslexia. Is a huge thing, and, yeah. and as you say about getting them at an early age, mm. there needs to be more training for teachers on how to spot it mm. and and how to deal with it. There's definitely not enough. I mean, it's getting better, but it still needs to be more, definitely, because the stories I hear from my students. Um, what really uh, frustrates me is the low expectations that are put on people with dyslexia. Mm. Oh, you're dyslexic, so you can't do that. Yeah. Do ordinary level English, obviously, because you're dyslexic. And it's like, no, why, why? Why shouldn't they do higher level if they want to? Mm. Why shouldn't they be in this class if they want to? I have a good question for you. <laughs> I have a good question. For you. Here we go. Oh, what? So, do you know when, say for instance myself, when I done my exam, okay, a normal assessor corrected it, my exam paper. No, he mightn't have known I was dyslexic or not. Should there be an, an exam assessor that knows about dyslexia? Oh, I might be going a little bit too forward to, to, to correct these in terms of how the person it lacks certain forms of, um, of, 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 what's the right word, James? It's just like, do, yeah. do, you know when you're, do you know when you have dyslexia and you sit in an exam 
and it goes to the, the person that's correcting it, is the label on it. Mm. There is, I think. If you've got a spending yeah. a grammar waiver, I think in your exams, don't they still have a sticker on it to say would, that you would it be better? Would it be better for one Definitely. of the... So if, if the person correcting it has dyslexia as well, they can have some little bit of compassion around that as well and understand that, it. Yeah, I don't think that matters if they have dyslexia yeah. themselves. Yeah. But... Actually, it does help when teachers have dyslexia too, yeah. because then they're very good at teaching in multi-sensory ways, yeah. mm. and, and, and that works yeah. for the works for the children. And bringing it down a notch, because in third level education, I've came across lecturers, okay, that were extremely smart, mm. and they'd expect everybody sitting in front of them to be as as smart as them, and they'd teach you on their level. And I'm saying. Where is this going on? Like, I haven't a clue what he's even saying. One sticks out in particular. Like, I had to write down. I spent more time writing down words inside in his class um, that I didn't understand instead of taking down notes. And I'd go after the class, then I'd try to understand the words and you know, look at the dictionary. And I mean, how am I going to call parents? Like, I was doing triple the work of every other student inside in the room. Dyslexics, on average, work four times harder than anybody yeah. else just to keep up. And yeah. they are exhausted after a day in school or a week in, in school or whatever. Yeah. But you are smart. I mean, yeah. you how, how long did it take you to get from junior set to third level? Yeah. You are smart. And there is a, there are certain dyslexic traits like determination. You know, they are yeah. very focused, very determined. Um, you've got those entrepreneurial abilities these mm. are all dyslexic abilities mm. the visual spatial yeah. there's another thing is that fair factor that risk taker as well I'd be risk I've taken risks all my life you know it's just jump in see how hot the water is if it gets boiling jump back out and go somewhere else I think that's just your personality Tim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know about that one no, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's just that's just for. Timmy that's yeah. just Timmy that's just Timmy yeah. but, uh, but they, they definitely don't follow the crowd or, or anything like that I would say definitely would they be would they be quite I suppose that's, that's a terrible thing to say I was going to say would they be uh, would a lot of dyslexic people be introverts would they be... Uh, no. Yeah, exactly. Because when you think of, of the like, uh, likes of uh, Einstein and a few of the other guys, we were uh, talking about, like, if you, a, lot of, a lot of people back then would have said, like, these fellas are absolutely nuts because they were outside, thinking outside the box. Outside and, the box, yeah. You know? Yeah. Right, so, yeah. like, in the, in, I'd say it can be, uh, it might damage confidence and self-esteem in children. But when you're an adult and you can kind of get control of it or at least find ways that you can help yourself, maybe you can get a bit better. But what can parents do to help? What practical things can they do practical. to help their children that may have dyslexia? Well, there's there's a load in my book. My mother is. Parents Guide. Uh, great so, book yeah, yeah. So um, there's lots of things they can do. Focusing on multisensory things. So having having Play-Doh and sand and and coloured sticky post-its and highlighters and um, pens that you can rub out as well. There's loads of those these days. They don't have to have lots of scree crossing outs yeah. and things in their work. Um, coloured flashcards of all different ages. You know, I think provide the equipment for them to be multi-sensory. Allow them to learn the way they want to. You know, if they want to run around, fidget. They're all fidgeters. Uh, spinning chairs, whatever, and uh, play music, you know, things that you don't think would actually work, 
may well work for them. Mm. You know, they need music to concentrate. So yeah. it's just being open to creative ways of learning and helping stuff going from the short-term memory to the long-term memory. In terms of reading and things like that, it's that's a hard one. To, you know, a lot of them don't enjoy reading. It's yeah. a real shame. Um, but if they, you know, you could get games where there's reading involved. Mm. Um, you could watch cartoons with subtitles. All sorts yeah. of different ways of getting them to mm. read. Isn't it a shame the education system kind of really rewards those that are very good or that find reading and writing easier um, and it leaves a whole cohort of young people kind of outside of that, do you know? And maybe before the printing press, like you spoke about, yeah. wasn't such a big issue. No. But now all of a sudden there's huge rewards given to those that can achieve academically or find it to do well in school. But maybe some people are more musical or more hands-on and more kinesthetic, as you said. Yeah. Um, but they're not rewarded the same way as... Yeah, exactly. So. And things are getting better, but there's still that thing, oh, you've got to, got to do well in, in, in those reading, writing skills and languages when it's not their area. And they could go on and on doing French and so like that, but it just reaches a plateau and they just they struggle with it because mm. it's not logical. There's lots of silent letters or whatever. And really what they should be focusing on is their strong subjects, which could be maths, uh, could be English, and um, and maybe more the practical visual-spatial subjects, mm. engineering, mm. Um, woodwork, metalwork. Mm. Um, when we were talking about yeah, the engineering, like they'd, they'd be classified as really smart. There's so many dyslexic engineers yeah. and architects. That's a yeah. huge profession for the sexes yeah, and they're some of the, the best well-paid jobs in the country some of the architects there and the engineers are on serious money they're running some of the biggest jobs in the country you know so there you go there's dyslexics there now for you I, really i mean yeah. i don't know what we do without them yeah, and yet yeah. we sort of condemn them in the in the classroom mm. and they feel stupid which mm. is just ridiculous and and sad do you know you spoke about something well ago the, the determination of someone who's dyslexic yeah. to really understand something i can really relate to that and i think it's it's a great attribute to hold as a person is that determination because without being dyslexic a lot of people wouldn't have that determination do you know that drive to keep them going forward once you know what you're good at yeah then you go for it and the thing also is because they can't do rote learning they can't just cram and just learn something off. They have to understand it. They have to know it. They have to understand it. So they, they are working really hard to learn a science topic or something so that they really, they get it, they understand it, and it goes into long-term memory. Mm. And that's kind of better. That's a better way of yeah. learning than just cramming it. And regurgitating yeah. the exam did then. Mm. And they're the ones that get all the high grades, but do they really know the stuff? Know. Are they really any good? I know. Yeah. And let's talk a small bit about something we spoke about. We'll go about the intellectual disability thing again. You know, you, you think it's not an intellectual disability. No, it's a learning difficulty. No, it's not it's even that. Our, it's a learning difference. Learning difference. Okay. Yeah. 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 So did, like, are, are we starting to change back from that? Like from the intellectual disability, are we starting? Is society kind of looking at it as a learning difference? Are, are well, it, we way away from that? It's definitely never, I don't think it's ever been seen as intellectual yeah. disability because it's not, 
they're not below uh, average IQ, people with dyslexia. So it's not an intellectual thing, but it's, it is still called a disability. It definitely is. And unfortunately, um, you know, to get the supports in school and things like that, it's, it's called a disability. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, what do you do? It's, because yeah, even in the college, when when we were going there, it was the disability services. Yeah, you know that that was the name, the DSS. But you know, and a lot of my students who would be very comfortable about the dyslexia, they just laugh at that. They mm. just think that's ridiculous. Mm. Disability, you know, they see it as an attribute. Yeah. Uh, one yeah. of my students, I remember say, her saying, "You know, the only thing I don't like about having dyslexia is that people don't understand it." Mm. Yeah, well, hopefully they'll understand it a little bit better after <laughs> our chat today. Yeah. But um, you wrote this book. When did you write this book? So it took about three years from research and interviewing my students and stuff. And, then and it was all in Cork? It was all in Cork, yeah. yeah. So it's all Cork. To support your own lads. Yeah, yeah, Cork mm. people. And then a UK publisher um, that's part of Hachette took it. And it came out in 2018. And you can get it uh, in Waterstones, Easton's. You could order it at your local library. Um, any more Any more uh, books coming down the line now? Oh, God, I always get asked that. And I haven't got the time or energy. Yeah. It's quite stressful yeah. writing a book. I can imagine. Um, I suppose in, inside here, you're going to find everything you need to know about dyslexia and how, how, I to, hope so. yeah. how, to, how to be able to help a child that has dyslexia, you know? Yeah, because it goes through all ages, so from primary all the way through to secondary. Mm. And parents or anybody, teachers as well, can just dip into it from what, where they're at at the moment and mm. how they can help. And actually, um, the publishers brought out the audiobook version this year. So if... Are you the narrator? <laughs> Lots of people ask me if... You've got a nice voice, yeah. thing, so... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not Cork going. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I am an old sider though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I often thought, like, you know, if we did a book, you know, who'd narrate our books, you know? You, d- you probably have to do it yourself, wouldn't <laughs> yeah. you? No, they got an actor. They got an actor oh, to really? do it. Yeah. yeah. Another thing before we finish up, I just want to ask you about some of the services you provide for, for uh, people with dyslexia. Can we run through a few of them? So, well, God, um, just, don't don't inundate me because I'm fools. Yeah. So, <laughs> but like, mostly, just what you offer, yeah. how you can help people on a so one-to-one would, basis. Yeah, I would do one-to-one, and mostly I'm working with the older students, junior cert, leaving cert. So I would look at exam, study skills, and particularly the short-term memory thing mm. at that point because we don't work on spelling and reading. You know, we focus on that in primary. Then secondary, it's all about multi-sensory learning, time management helping with English, but any subjects. I can't do Irish, though, or maths. Yeah. <laughs> but any other subject, they could come along and go, I've got a test coming up. I can't get this into my head. And go, okay, so what should we? What strategies should we do? Should we do mind map, flashcards, bullet points? Mm. Should we test it on a whiteboard? Should we do post-its? Mm. You know, we'll just find different creative strategies to help. And also, obviously, dealing with the self-esteem. So... It's their space, mm. so they can have a rant about teachers. Yeah, um, <laughs> or even coming to that, that that kind of breaking point where the mind won't leave it see beyond anything. I used yeah. to hit this wall mm. a lot, where it was it was this kind of in this mechanism I was after building, where I'd come across any form of stress. 
that I just go completely blank and freeze. You know, how does how, how do that you is, deal with that? Yeah, that is hard because yeah. obviously when you're more tired and stressed, the dyslexia that that short term memory thing gets worse, mm. and you just go blank in a in an exam. So again, that's where multi-sensory learning, getting stuff into the long-term memory comes along. But even then, sometimes they go blank. But I would always say to students, definitely, when they're actually in their leaving cert, they go into sort of a zone. I don't know if you did. And mm. you just, they just do it mm. and they achieve it. Yeah, you just do it. That's determination there for you again. Yeah, it is, mm-hmm. it is. They just go into the zone yeah. and they do it. And they don't blank. Mm. I've never heard of them ever blanking in the actual exam. But yeah, they get overwhelmed. They get very stressed. They get frustrated. They get, you know, if a teacher asks them to read out loud in class, they that's awful for them mm. and things. So, you know, they can ask the teacher, please don't ask me to read out loud. Yeah. All sorts of things like that. Mm. They get told off for forgetting books when they can't help it because they're forgetful and they might be badly organised. Yeah. So you know, the some allowances need to be made Yeah, in, in that sense. Right. So um, just, I'd say, so in terms of any kids or, or, or parents that are really, really struggling with a child or something like that, if they want to contact you, they can go onto your website, which is... Dyslexiasupport.ie. Yeah, and the book... Which at is at dyslexia. home with dyslexia, a parent's guide to supporting your child, Sasha Roos. Um, and I will be getting stuck into this book anyway. Trust me, because um, I'm getting a call into it because I want to understand it a little bit more myself, you know. It's part of who you are. Yeah. And I think that's the thing about it. That's why we shouldn't be ashamed of it and we should be able to talk openly about it mm. because it's part of who you are. It's part of how you see the world. It's part of your success and the audio side for this book is it on audible I think yeah it is yeah, yeah. yeah it is so sometimes it's yeah. easier for me to, to, to get it yeah she's yeah. Uh, yeah yeah so right listen Sasha thanks very much for coming on thank it's been a pleasure thank you for inviting me you know, and, and I just want to say thank you to my co-host <laughs> James you did a great job to me you did a great job so um, listen thanks again and um, the best of luck with your practice and everything else thank and you. uh I'm sure we'll see you again soon. Thanks, Sasha. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.